Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in good company because this is where the best run. Let's see what our topic is today. I have an interesting quote, short and sweet, from blog.hubspot.com. Many of you use and refer to HubSpot for lots of your intelligence gathering, and I found this really cool quote for our topic today. Here's the buzz. Marketing to businesses is very different italicized, very different than marketing to individual consumers. So let's just let that sink in for a sec. With all the world a digital stage today, come on, you know, as a consumer, as a business person, everything you do is digital. Every all, Everything coming in is coming in digitally. Today's B2B buyer, that's what we're focusing on, expects your company to engage them with intelligence. Of course, you want to treat them like they're intelligent because we hope you are. And personalization. They want it on their own terms. That means they may be be partway, midway, or just beginning the buying life cycle. They also want you to meet them on the platforms they prefer. Digital world, we're talking Twitter, maybe, Facebook, maybe, LinkedIn, maybe, Pinterest, maybe, or maybe all of the above. How are you going to do that? It's time for you to take a step back, sit down, gather your resources, gather your team, and evolve your marketing and your advertising strategies. What's the point of all this? You have to create unique customizable, that's a key, targeted digital and social media programs and campaigns. You want to connect with these people, establish a relationship, treat them personally and intelligently, and you want to educate them on what you can add with value to their lives, to their companies. We have three experts on the panel today who are going to share the best practices, and we're calling this episode B2B Revenue Growth, Strategic Social Engagement. Now, the key word here for our listeners is strategic, not just, okay, go on out there and tweet and put some posts on and join a LinkedIn forum. Strategic, there's a purpose and a goal here. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm going to tell you who my three panelists are, and then I'm going to ask them each to introduce themselves so you know know why we call them experts. First up in a moment, we'll be hearing from Donetta Campbell at the Social Architects LLC and Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. And Lorraine is the sponsor of this series. So ladies, welcome. And Donetta Campbell, why don't you step up first to the plate here and tell us a little bit about who you are and what this topic means to you. Donetta, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Donetta Campbell. I've come from about 25 years in the public relations space, working for a lot of the big agencies, was very deep into working into corporate thought leadership with um, a lot of major brands when social kind of came onto the landscape. Always loved pitching with media and uh, publicity, those kinds of things, but always did profit to nonprofit work, was a big believer in that. And as social kicked in, I started to play with the idea of how thought leadership was going to shift in that model that we were using in the PR agency world for corporates to be able to position themselves in the things that matter, make a difference in the world, and also have a strong voice in certain topics. So I started to play with social, trying to figure out what that was going to mean, along with a partner that's with my company now, who is in a more traditional media space in that area for corporate thought leadership, 
and has just joined my company actually this year. In that process, I found I loved social. And a lot mm-hmm. of my Rolodex gravitated over and started asking for help if they had a book coming out and their publisher was telling them they were going to need so many followers on Twitter that were active or they couldn't go to market. And also watching mm. great speakers sh- changing the world, being able to, you know, not just walk away with a couple of business cards, but to be able to ignite that audience, harness their energy, create a community and develop that audience to go with them to the next part of their journey. So we started to play with all that, and we've been very fortunate that along, you know, with some time, and and we proved our concept and did a lot of events and created a lot of impressions for things that mattered. That's our give back. We try to help causes. We're a company built on purpose. So then we started to work with some great brands and create a lot of strong voices and help them get their messages out there. So I'll, I'll pause there. Thank you, Donetta. That's quite a background. I love the way you inserted the word ignite in there and you mentioned community, all really good words. There's some excitement around that and it sounds like you're very, very passionate about what you do. Do you agree with this opening statement, my statement from HubSpot? Marketing to businesses is very different than marketing to individual consumers. Yes or no? Uh, yes, I do. I think in the, in the leadership space, it, there might be some overlap in the sense of people's thought leadership is it's tied to what they do in business, but it's also a very personal thing, a personal journey. Good point. Thank you very much, Danetta. Welcome. You're the newcomer on our panel today. I'm going to move one chair around the table to Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact, who's been on many times. Sarah, hope you've been well, and please reintroduce yourself to our audience. Sarah Goodall. Yeah, thanks very much for having me back, Bonnie. I'm Sarah. I um, So my background's a little bit different, I guess, to Donetta. I come from a marketing background, um, always have done in B2B and tech, and also having worked for SAP as well. So, And I worked there until about four years ago, and uh, I left to start up a company called Tribal Impact. And we basically work with organizations that want to activate their employee voices on social media, because ultimately, you know, you know this, Bonnie, we've talked about this before, and Lorraine, um, I'm quite passionate about trusted voices and activating trusted voices on social. So, and I was just thinking, Bonnie, I'm not sure I do agree with that HubSpot statement. Actually, okay. That marketing to businesses is different to marketing consumers, because in this world, it's a, it's a pe- be, people buy from people, right? And, and if you're to scale, and if you're to look at social engagement strategically, you can't manage that from a marketing hub. You know what I mean? Marketing can't mm-hmm. scale. And this is the reason, like 10 years ago when I got into this with SAP, that you know, I was realizing that as a brand channel, you couldn't scale to be in every conversation, to listen to every keyword. Um, the only way you were going to do that is by scaling the ability to be in those conversations. And the way you do that is to activate the employees. So, and I I think it's it's more about that. So, thank you very much. You know, I I like the shades of meaning and the interpretation. And when I pick a statement for my opening, I'm addressing this to all three of my esteemed panelists. It is open to do you agree or disagree. It doesn't mean that it's it's the word from the mountain. So I'm glad we have some interesting comments back on that. Thank you very much, Sarah, and welcome back. And now let's go one more stop around the table to Lorraine Maurice. Mar- Lorraine, it's been too long since you've been on the show. How are you? I am amazing, and the shows without <laughs> me have been equally as amazing, fabulous, I so know. I'm super excited to be back. We are, too, to have you. Now, please reintroduce yourself to the world. Go ahead, Lorraine. Sure. I'm Lorraine Maurice. I'm a Senior Director of 
partner marketing at SAP, and my responsibilities as a modern marketer are to show how marketing creates revenue and pipeline for business. And with that, I do a, a lot of what I call empowerment, upskilling different organizations, our partner organization on how to be successful to use marketing, and marketing being everybody's job. It means marketing, sales, business development. And our two guest speakers are two of the people that help me be smart and help me enable our partners to be the best. So thank you, Sarah and Donetta, for being here. You are very gracious, Lorraine, very, very gracious. And Lorraine, what's your take on that opening statement? How very different or not very different is marketing to businesses B2B versus B2C? You know, I think there was a definite line between the two um, up until probably the past 12 plus months where Mm. the business world finally understood that it is about being personal and it's about the individual experience. And so now that it's about experience and we're all in line with truly saying the person that we're doing business with has to have a lovely experience and now becomes a consumer driven world. So I think that we're starting to transform ourselves even though it's B2B marketing, into using some of these B2C skill sets in order to create that trusted advisor position as well as to create that relationship and positive journey for the customer. Thank you, Lorraine. Very good. I didn't realize my opening statement, my quote from from HubSpot was going to be quite so controversial. It certainly sparked a good conversation before we even got into the roundtable, and we just started the roundtable. So thank you, ladies, for the introductions. Danetta Campbell, you're up first. You have sent me, the, by the way, to our new listeners, this is the part of the show where I have asked each panelist in advance to send me a quote that is not specifically on our topic, something from a movie, from a book, from a song, a famous person, a not-so-famous person, and related in their own words live here on air on our show to the topic to hear how they think and how they process this whole relationship from them between them and the topic. So Donetta Campbell has sent us a wonderful quote. It's the title of a book by the children's author, Dr. Seuss. It was first published by Random House back in 1990, his last book published during his life time. The book concerns the journey of life and its challenges. I'm just going to read. The quote is the title of the book, and Donetta will explain it. Oh, the places you'll go! Exclamation point. Donetta, how does this relate to our topic, which is strategic social engagement for B2B revenue growth? Donetta? Well, it, it relates in my journey of how I see starting up with each great voice that I have the honor of working with, and it starts from the very beginning of my journey where as I was trying to figure out this concept and how it might look and how it might work, that I had the good fortune of running across a, a Oxford professor that is the DP Chair of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the business school, Linda Scott. And I still work closely with her after all of these years. She also happened to be a marketing professor, and I happened to meet her at a conference. We started to talk about what I was trying to build, and she took a huge leap of faith uh, coming from Oxford <laughs> to hand over um, – you know, the trust of her brand for me to try to figure out how this social model could work. And she worked closely with me, helping me figure it out. So in my mind, that was the starting line after we had had uh, pancakes at a diner and decided that we were going to give this a try together. And I wrote her an email with that saying at the top and felt the, you know, the responsibility, the honor, the excitement of what this could be and what it could look like. And so I tend to always feel that way each time we start up a great voice to help them 
go further, to create more impact, to change the world, to do their job in a better way. And it's a, it's a, it's a level of trust when you're dealing with somebody's name and their personal brand and how serious of an obligation that is, which um, we take, you know, extremely, keep extremely close to the heart to take the best care of our leaders and to do our very best to help them do great things in the world. So that's what it means to me. Thank you, Janetta. Very articulate. Appreciate that. I'm glad you made that personal about your business and your journey. Thank you. Sarah Goodall, moving around to you, you found an interesting quote from Walt Disney. I don't think we've ever had this quote. We've had many Disney quotes, but not this one. Walter Elias Disney, 1901 to 1966. He died young. American entrepreneur, animator, voice actor, film producer. He holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned by any individual, having won 22 Oscars out of 59 nominations. Come on, you all know him. Disney World. Walt Disney, Mickey Mouse, all that wonderful cartoon animation that came into our lives many years ago. And here is the quote Sarah has selected. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. Sarah, please explain how this relates to our topic. (laughs) Well, apart from the fact, you know, I've got three little girls who are just Disney mad. Right, we've got Disney princesses all over our house. So Walt (laughs) Disney is quite close to my heart. Um, but actually, I quite like this quote. It kind of relates to what Donetta said a little bit, really. It's this, I, I've kind of come to realize that you've just got to take this attitude to everything that you do now. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. A lot of people think it's not possible, and so we have to just carry on doing what we already have done and what we know and how we reach out to customers, you know, tried and tested. But actually... In this world, you know, in strategic social engagement, you have to test all different kinds of things. And, and even the things that you don't think are possible, just have a go. And it's all about, I mean, agile is a word that's used quite a lot these days, but it is. It's about mm-hmm. moving and it's about having agility and testing new things and learning and refining and testing and, and trying new things all the time. Um, I quite like the idea of that, you know, and I'm also learning as, as I build a business that it is kind of fun to do the impossible. You've just got to get used to that, that, that unknown um, and just get comfortable with being uncomfortable, I think, as well. So that was my Thank- thinking. Thank you very much. I love the quote. And, and to many, Walt Disney probably very much did the impossible, didn't he, Sarah? Taking yeah, a, yeah. A, a mouse and making him a world-beloved character and building theme parks around him and cartoons and movies and merchandise. If you if you think of who knew, as they used to say, who, thought, who could have thunk that? So thank you very much, Sarah. Very appropriate. Lorraine Maurice has sent us a quote from Billy Joel. I love the music quotes, Lorraine, from the people who make music. Billy Joel, if anybody doesn't know, very alive and well, born in May of 1949. I call him a young man. I'm entitled to William Martin Joel, American singer, songwriter, composer, and pianist, nicknamed the Piano Man after his first major hit. The Piano Man. Uh, He has led a commercially successful career as a solo artist, releasing 12 studio albums and one studio album. He's one of the best-selling music artists of all time and the sixth best-selling recording artist and the third best-selling solo artist in the United States. He has just released, oh, a mere 150 million records have been sold around the world. So there you go. Here's the quote from Billy Joel. I am no longer afraid of becoming lost. Because the journey back always reveals something new, and that is ultimately good for the artist. Lorraine, that's a heavy-duty quote. Tell us how that relates to our topic. I love it. 
Well, I am a huge Billy Joel fan. He was my first concert. I've probably seen him no less than 15 times. And I think he's very poetic. When I, when I looked at this quote, what, what it meant to me and why I look at it is, you know, we hear a lot about people saying, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, don't repeat history. And, and then there's a lot of fear, a fear about doing something new and different. And this quote kind of summarizes all three of those things for me. It's about, you know, understand your hindsight. What did you learn and how do you change it or replicate it? Um, it also says, you know, sometimes history is repeatable or you learn from history. And so you make a, a, a fresh new starter idea. I mean, for example, you know, we're talking all the time about social and digital marketing, but it's all based on content. Content has been around since mm-hmm. the beginning of marketing. So it's really just kind of a transition about looking back, which reveals something new. And, and then finally, fear. Um, I, I like this because I don't like to be afraid and I like to try new things. And um, whether it's in my personal life or business life, and I always say that grass isn't always greener and you always learn something from change. Um, so take advantage of it. So I think for me, you know, this particular quote encompasses a lot of different thought processes on why to be bold, why to take risk, and to learn, learn um, and make adjustments as needed. Thank you, Lorraine. Always very thoughtful. I I took this almost as a, a personal mantra when I read the quote, Lorraine. The idea of the journey back always reveals something new. It, there is a per, very personal content to this, and I appreciate yeah. your bringing in a quote from Billy Joel. I think we can all take that as as a almost a safety net, Lorraine. If you get lost, it could be in your car, on your bike, on in an Uber, or in your personal life, spiritually, socially, anyway. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Bonnie, uh, my, yes. my mom's theory, my mom was didn't like to drive, and we lived in New York, which was very hectic. And she would mm-hmm. be in the car, and we could sense her anxiety. And then she would say to um, us, she would say, we're never lost. We're always somewhere. And as long as you're somewhere, you're always safe. And so it brings that, it brings a lot of meaning to me as well. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. On so many levels. You know, I always say when we get a really good quote, I want to crochet it on a pillow or paint it on a billboard or maybe I'll write it on the wall of my garage. I need to decorate the the big two-car garage I have. Thank you very much, Lorraine. This is the part of the show where we get a little more up close and personal and we already know a lot about the business aspects of the lives of our three panelists. We have Donetta Campbell from the Social Architects LLC and Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. I'm going to ask each of our panelists where you're calling from today, or in Sarah's case, where do we call you? And what's your favorite drink that powers you, empowers you, relaxes you, makes you smile? It's just really fun to drink. Donetta, you're up first, but I have a question for you. Donetta, I noticed you spell the name of your company, The Social Architects, as three words crunched together with a capital T for The, a capital S for Social, a capital A for Architects, all together with no spaces. Tell me, what's the uh, what was the reason for that? I'm very intrigued. It's a hashtag. So you could use ah. it as a hashtag because you can't use spaces for a hashtag. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Now tell us where you are today and what do you love to drink that makes you so smart? <laughs> well, uh, my favorite is Starbucks cappuccinos. And so I and I usually order two at a time in the morning. And you can mm. tell that I drink too much. I think I realized that um, when uh, years and years ago, my, my middle daughter, Katie, we were up in Toledo uh, on a trip. And couldn't find a parking place in front of the Starbucks. And she was about in first grade. She's now working for a marketing company um, after graduating from college. 
Um, and Katie, I, I couldn't, I could pull right up where I could see her run in, you know, with the money to grab the order that we put in. And she was very, she was my, uh, kind of my own little manager at that age too. She was quite confident in herself. She went inside, uh, and got my drinks and came back outside with the biggest, proudest smile on her face. And I was like, why, you know, why are you so happy? Thanks for getting that. But why are you smiling like that? And she said, mom, I gave him the tip. And he looked at me and he said, boy, you must be really good at Starbucks and your mom's trained you well because you leave really good tips and <laughs> for a little teeny kid. <laughs> that made me realize coffee was probably way too much of a part of our lives. <laughs> so, That's it was, wonderful. It was a beautiful moment with her. That's a lovely story. Uh, do, I have a question. Do you, do you order to go or do you actually go and wait online during rush hour if it's a well, morning pickup? Usually I go just inside, but this certain trip, we'd done it to go because where the hotel was, and it just happened to be that somebody showed us how to do it. I think it was just when they were starting to do those orders that you could do ahead of time. Um, so it was kind of a new concept, but uh, <laughs> it was it was a great moment that I'll never forget. Very interesting. Where are you based right now? Where are you today? What part of the world? I'm actually, I, I'm working from home in, in Connecticut. Oh, okay. So well, quieter. <laughs> shout out up north to Connecticut. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. I'm waving. Maybe you can see me if you look straight down the line. There I am. Danetta, nice to have you on. Sarah well, Goodall. Cat- in Raleigh. <laughs> okay. Sarah Goodall, where are you today? And I know we called you. You're somewhere overseas. And what do you love to drink these days, Sarah? I am. I am in the UK. I'm in Portsmouth, which is right on the south coast. I'm literally an eight-minute walk to the seaside, so I'm really not far. I live by the sea, so I'm working at home because the kids have just come back from their uh, from school. And um, my drink, I'm having a cup of Rosie Lee tea. I know that's a bit boring, but I'm, that's what I'm drinking. But I am drinking it in a cup which says may or may not contain gin because my Friday <laughs> night tipple... <laughs> is a gin and tonic and if i can get to friday night a nice like cold gin and tonic slice of lemon happy days but in the week i have coffee but i've just gone a bit decaf on the coffee but i i love this conversation about having drive-through coffees and stuff we don't really have that over here we don't have yeah. drive-through coffee shops I love that. Interesting. I, I was uh, I was meeting someone for for a, a coffee meeting yesterday at the local Starbucks here. I'm in the Briar Creek area of Durham, North Carolina. It's just on the border between my community is about a mile and a half from the the Durham Raleigh line on uh, it's called Glenwood Route 70, and uh, there's a shopping area called Briar Creek. And I was at the Starbucks waiting for my friend, and. I sat outside because it was so crowded, and they didn't have a lot of tables inside. It was very dark inside. Sat outside, beautiful, sunny day, fall day. It must have been 70 degrees, 65 degrees, a little breezy, beautiful sunny day. And my red hair was glistening in the sunshine, if I say so. Anyway, I was noticing people pulling up in the parking lot and going inside and disappearing for a while because it was crowded, and there was a long line of people ordering coffee. And then I started to notice people walking in. You could just almost count 
to 20. One, two, three, 20 seconds, and they walked right out with their coffee. And I said to myself, aha, they must have done the online order and pickup. There was no pickup window, but they literally parked, got out of their car, walked in, turned around, walked out, got back in the car and left. And that's how I realized what was going on. And, and Donetta, that's why I asked you about whether you ordered in advance. So Sarah, that's how it works. You don't have to stay inside. You just pick it up and you go. Lorraine, yeah, I need where- I think so. We'll have to tell the Starbucks people. Lorraine, where are you today, and what's your favorite drink these days? I am in Atlanta, Georgia, east coast of the United States, where it's muggy and about to rain, but we could use the rain, so I'm not upset about that. And I am drinking coffee, but I'm adding to it these days Premier Protein. And the – oh, sorry about that. The Premier Protein is – really helpful in getting my day started. Um, it's truly energizing. It's low carb and it just gives me the energy I need to get through the day. There you go. Thank you very much. And I'm in Durham and I'm waving definitely to you in Atlanta, Lorraine. So look out the yes, window. Very close. Very curly, very curly hair, letting it grow very red and very curly. I did have a, a, a coffee product yesterday at Starbucks. I ordered a, uh, let's see, it was a mocha decaf skim with a little bit of whip. Now you put the whipped cream on top. Of course, it negates the idea of having skim milk. But what can I tell you? We have to we have to pick our calories where we can. Uh, but it was decaf, and it didn't really affect me. But Lorraine knows, and Sarah may remember. And Danette, I'm telling you, they don't allow me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days because. I don't need to be pumped up anymore. So I'm just drinking water today, cool, clear water, and I've switched to silicone straws because I'm trying to do my part for the environment and not gunk up the oceans with plastic straws. But once in a while when I go to a restaurant and they ask if I want a straw in my soda or in my water and I say yes, and it's a plastic straw again, and it just feels better. I don't know. It just feels right. Silicone, not so much. So what can I tell you? Silicone. So we're going to take a really, really quick break, just about 90 seconds. If you're just tuning in, we have a really important topic to share with all of you. It's great for B2B, probably useful for B2C selling as well. We're talking about B2B revenue growth, strategic social engagement. What are you doing to meet your customers where they are, how they want to be related to? Where are they along that customer journey? How far into the buying process are they? What do they need from you? What do they need to pay attention to you? What social platforms are they on? Where do you need to be? How do you put it all together? We have three really, really smart experts. They are experts, each in their own right. We have Donetta Campbell at the Social Architects, LLC. We have Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, so don't even think of touching ah, whatever you're listening to. We'll be right back. Erin, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. 
Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big, work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Here we are. We're back. We're talking about strategic social engagement. Are you just putting together a plan? Ah, we'll do a couple tweets. Maybe we'll be in one or two LinkedIn forums. Maybe we'll have a Facebook page. Not good enough. It's really important to have a strategy. That's why my three panelists are here today, Donetta Campbell at The Social Architects, Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact, and of course, the sponsor of this wonderful series, Lorraine Maurice at SAP. We're going to kick off the formal roundtable part of the show, but we have been going around and around the table with great insights already. We're going to start with a statement Donetta Campbell sent me before the show. She's going to explain it for about two minutes, and then I will invite Sarah to chime in, agree or disagree, and Lorraine. Then we'll go through a statement from Sarah Goodall and then one from Lorraine. So Donetta told me the following. We live in a socially driven culture. To connect with people on a deep and transformative level, leaders should embrace the power of social media. Donetta, good basic starting point for our roundtable. Tell me more, please. Well, I just believe that, that social is an amazing tool uh, that you can use in so many different ways to reach your stakeholders, to change the world, to do your job in a better way. And, and I think it's going to become more and more relevant, especially with large global brands that, are, that really are, you know, workforces that are all over the world, that you can share your culture together, you can support each other, you can have that connection with everybody um, inside your organization and then harness all of that energy and all of that conversation to their, then kind of turn it into that uh, marketing and cultural voice of the company uh, to share what the company stands for by the things that we see being shared on social. Um, I think that it, it cre- social creates strong, relevant communities if you strategically and thoughtfully build it out. It allows people to put their toe into becoming a thought leader on so mm-hmm. many different ways. It allows them to save a dog by chain, sharing a message when, when there's a, a dog that needs a home in a certain area. We've seen it used in so many powerful ways that's, that's important. It helps causes. It helps people feel empowered in their jobs and feel engaged. It, when, when somebody that's, you know, they're, uh, they're, they report to someone that maybe reaches out and touches them on social in some way with a very soft touch point, it makes them feel validated and heard. There's just a lot of wonderful ways. I believe that we are using social now, and we are looking to 
see how social plays into it in the future. It, it, it supports sales. It warms up a room. It catalyzes a relationship. It builds relationships. And I can tell you a really interesting story going back to Linda Scott again. Um, she does the largest uh, conference at Oxford for women's empowerment called Power Shifts Forum. We'll be doing it again in, in November. Um, and she should be on Melinda Gates' radar screen. She, she writes all the time mm-hmm. about women's empowerment. She's got another book coming out very soon. And, but she didn't have a connection to her. We followed her on Twitter. We retweeted some of the things Melinda was putting out. And she picked up one of Linda's article in, articles in Bloomberg on the women's economy and shared it. And that was thrilling in itself, right? Her numbers mm-hmm. jumped. It was beautiful to see. And then she got a call two weeks later and went to dinner with a group of women with Melinda when she was near Oxford. And now wow. she's working with them. And Melinda's about to endorse her next book. She'll be one of the quotes on the back cover. So just like that Oprah moment relationship, right? Yeah. And then also just day-to-day relationships happen. I, I meet people all the time that I know from social that see me and say, oh, you're Donna Campbell. I see you on Twitter all the time. <laughs> Things like that. So I just think it's a really powerful way for people to connect, as silly as it may seem. Um, there's relevant ways to use it, important ways to use it, and thoughtful ways to use it. And it's figuring out what those are and how to make those those go to the right places and find the right audiences. And so I just think it's really going to become more and more important. Thank you. That was a great story. Using real people, real names, real places makes it so much more relevant for the audience and people. Yes, name dropping. It works when it's real and when it's powerful. Thank you, Donetta. Let's ask Sarah Goodall. Agree or disagree? You want to add to what Donetta said? Any case studies, use studies, or anything you'd like to add uh, to the value of social to businesses today? Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm a big believer in like putting your employees in front of the logo and creating a human purposeful brand uh, that's built on, you know, your employees are the closest to your customers and your future customers and your future talent and how you attract all of that to your business. And I think they're just the authentic, credible voice. And if you activate them, they're, they're more trusted and and actually, it's good for them because they get to build their brand, they get to build their network, their relationships, but it's also good for the company to have trust in their employees to put them in front and out, out front of the logo. And I just think it humanizes the brand. We talked about this at SAP like 10 years mm-hmm. ago about humanizing mm-hmm. the brand and scaling it and building communities driven around purpose. I love it. And, and I really believe that we are in socially driven cultures and those businesses that embrace it, that trust their employees, their leaders, that that recognize this shift in the way that people are buying, they're the ones that are probably going to succeed in the future. Um, I think the others are going to uh, struggle if they, don't, if they don't shift. Thank you. Words of wisdom. Do or die. Let's move on to Lorraine Maurice. Agree or disagree? What would you like to add to this part of our conversation, Lorraine? Actually, what I'd like to add is that social allows us to level the playing field. And so I thought that Donetta gave some great examples, and, and then Sarah followed up with the employee kind of amplification opportunities. But when you're a small and medium business and your competitor is a large organization, um, you don't even have to let anybody know that <laughs> when you're doing social mm-hmm. media. So that's the thing that I see as a great value to it is it levels the playing field. It allows you to get your message across to become a, a, a trusted advisor, that's my favorite word, by the way. I use it a lot because it's so important in social to get get 
who you are, who your what your brand is, and your value prop across. And it allows you to do that to many different types of people and organizations and future customers. And so this level playing field that you have are allowed allows you to be competitive. It allows you to be global. It allows you to expand into different markets and different industries. And um, that's the value that I see. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Donetta, you started a really great part of our conversation. I appreciate that. Let's move on. I want to see if we, how much more content we can get here. Sarah Goodall, looking at your notes. Here's something that needs to be spoken about. You say, everybody listen up. This is important. The funnel is dead. And she's not saying long live the funnel. The funnel is dead. It's about the flywheel. Flywheels represent a circular process where customers and fans feed growth. You attract customers by using your expertise to create content and conversations that start meaningful relationships with the right people. I want to say hallelujah. (laughs) Sarah, tell us more. How does this relate to our topic, strategic social engagement? Tell me more, please. Well, I knew you were going to pick that one, Bonnie. I mean, I can't take credit for this. This is actually HubSpot's uh, initiative, which is, you know, the the funnel, the traditional funnel puts Mm -hmm. the customer at the bottom, right? So marketing fills the top. Sales moves it down to the bottom, and then ultimately we win the customer. But the flywheel, if you can imagine, you put the customer in the middle, and you actually have, you know, how you attract, how you uh, delight, and how you encourage and advocate others to join you. But that, that isn't the role of sales and marketing and service. It's actually the role of the entire business can impact that, and you put the customer in the middle. And I think the sooner everybody realizes that, you know, you have to work collectively as an organization around the needs of the customer and the buyer journey. So your experts can create great content. Put that into the hands of your salespeople. They can share it with their networks, with their customers. Put that, you know, get, get the measurements from your marketing team to see what impact that had on your website. All of these things have to work together. And the big thing with the flywheel is once you get it moving, you know, the bigger it gets, the heavier it gets, it starts to start attracting people you know the thing goes so fast that you start to attract people but there is a key part to that flywheel which is friction and that slows it down friction is things like make sure you give us a call if you want a price um you know you need to ring us if you want a quote or if you want this you know that all slows the buying process down this comes back to what you were saying earlier bonnie about being where the customer is at let it helping them throughout Mm -hmm. their buyer journey with the information they need when they need it if you do that you create a frictionless buyer journey that is what buyers the modern buyers want these days so take the friction out make it easy for them educate build trust deepen relationships and let the flywheel go so Thank you very much. Lorraine, talk to us about the flywheel. Agree or disagree with what Sarah just shared. I loved it. Well, um, the concept is is great because um, customer lifecycle management is the key to success. If you gain a customer, you want to keep them for life and you want to have continuous business opportunities with them, especially in today's market and with today's buyer's journey. And, you know, for us in the cloud world, which most companies – really have, right? It's a repeatable business is a perfect opportunity. But the one aspect I'll bring in, because I'm sure um, Danetta has some comments, is that the funnel, the waterfall, is, I think, still needed when you're doing calculations for lead generation and marketing management. And so I always find that we cross over from what the funnel was about 
and the new flywheel or the new continuous buyer's journey. Um, and the conversations um, are, are, are not necessarily separate. They, they need to be the same. You have to have content. You have to have a strategy throughout this continuous buyer's journey, the flywheel, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also have to have measurements and components in place to work with your sales teams to understand how leads are coming in and how they're managed. And so I think it, they need to work together. Uh, so I don't think one's dead or one's better. I think we just need to understand as marketers um, what the differences are and how they collaborate at different points in um, your sales cycle. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask quickly, uh, let's go around to Danetta. What do you think? Well, I think the visual that I came up with listening to both um, you guys is that I, it's almost like a water mill, right? The funnel could mm-hmm. be the water pouring in over mm-hmm. the circle that, that moves it along. And uh, so I do see relevant in both. I do tend to lead, lean on the circle side with Sarah uh, as you know, the key part of the way I, I do things and see things, it's always a very soft touch point, but those other elements coming to move it along are, are key in that mix. Thank you very much. I want to go back to Sarah. Any questions or comments you have for your other panelists? Any comments on uh, what they yeah. added? Yeah, Lorraine raises a great point, actually, because we just done our business planning for next year, and we looked back on the numbers, you know, so we can see what comes in, how it converts, how well that that does, and then you can work back the numbers. So she's, I, I agree with you, Lorraine, about that, you know, using that to work back. Um, and I think, you know, we haven't fully adopted the flywheel. I mean, HubSpot's well into it, so we still manage it like that. But then we also look at how we can fully adopt it because I think businesses going forward you need to be where your customers are at and they're not necessarily on your website they're to your point earlier Bonnie they might be in Facebook LinkedIn when I think about like 10 years ago I was just using email but now my customers come through Facebook LinkedIn WhatsApp some of them WhatsApp me uh, you know and I have to be where they are I have to adapt Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to track all that kind of behavior that's the trick so you can't force them to go through your channel that you want them to go through because you can track it there. You've got to be able to try and adapt and track wherever they are at. So that's the tricky bit, I reckon. Thank you, Sarah. There is a tricky part. Yes, Lorraine, I want to move this over to your roundtable statements. You sent me something very interesting here. I haven't heard this before. You say there's a myth. People say, quote, social media won't work for me and my company because I'm in a boring industry. And Lorraine replies, social media is not reserved for just certain industries. Lorraine, why don't you expand this and then let's go around and see what your co-panelists have to say. Lorraine? Well, I... First of all, nothing is boring and nobody is boring. And so everybody has a story to tell. And your customers, if they're going to do business with you, want to know your individual story. Again, it goes back to that relationship and that personal communications that's going to happen between you and them. And then you're also trying to solve business problems. And so the industry doesn't matter. Everybody has a business problem. So whether it is employee retention, if it's... um, trying to think, uh, employee retention, if it's, uh, you know, how to best manage your data, if it's, you know, getting analytics out on your business to make these decisions, those aren't boring. And so even if it's something that you feel isn't exciting and, and new, 
the business problem is what your customer is looking for. And they're looking for you to understand their business problem and how to solve it. And so if you keep that in mind, you're never boring. You're always providing something of interest and something of value. And my statement to myself, my team, and anybody I work with is you always have to look at the other person's shoes when you're speaking or when you're Mm -hmm. delivering anything. And what is the value you're bringing to them? And if you're bringing value the word boring goes out the window. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I think I've heard, Lorraine, when uh, I've heard somebody say years ago, if kids are in the backseat of a car on a trip and they say to parents, I'm bored, Mommy and Daddy. When are we going to get there? And I heard <laughs> uh, once a parent say, the parent turned around, looked at the kids and said, if you're bored, then it means you're boring. <laughs> it's like, play a game, do something, Ooh. think of something. Oh. It's... It, it, <laughs> Interesting, and I'm thinking that might apply to what you're saying, too. If you think your stuff is boring, then it's your problem, not theirs. So thank you. Let's go around. Danetta Campbell, agree or disagree with this provocative statement from Lorraine Maurice. What do you think? I, I mean, I totally agree. It's funny in this journey for, for us. I've found, like, accountants and big accounting firms love social. They love Twitter. So we've done great projects around topics like compliance and auditing and things that, you know, not everybody would think is that exciting, but there's a huge community out there. It's almost like social's the water cooler that they gather around to talk to others in the, you know, in those areas of focus and they can touch, have touch points with their, their clients, with their customers, and also with each other and learn better practices, things like that. So I think it's, it's really interesting how every, and I mean, we do, you know, we help executives from all kinds of industries, from automotive to insurance to tech companies. It just doesn't matter uh, as long as they have a passion for, for change and they have a, a desire to do things in the world to make it a better place. There's a lot we can do with that because they have big brands behind them. It gives them more relevance to get out there and get others to do more of the good stuff around things to move things along and, and help their business drivers and help their company do do better on every level. So that's exciting. I just wanted to touch back quickly on, on yes. the last one uh, with Sarah. I found, because it made me think, I had a beautiful chart that Florian Mickelson from SAP made early on in our uh, you know journey with them three years ago fits that circle, and it also has the waterfall. I'll send it over to you guys, but it's called our Accelerated Social Leadership Method. And it touches on all of those things that we just touched on, and it, it combines the two. And I just was able to pull it up. So it has a lot more detail in, than that. But I thought that was interesting because it touched on both areas that you guys both touched on. It is. Thank you for mentioning that. You can send it to me, too. I'd love to see it. Thank you, Donetta. Sure. Let's go around to Sarah Goodall. Sarah, thoughts on what we're talking about here, the boring part. Is it for everybody? Can everybody be in an interesting company, in an interesting industry, come up with interesting content without self-promoting, self-promoting, self-promoting? Yes, I agree. I agree with Lorraine that actually if you're always giving value, you only have to listen and then you'll understand what kind of content that your audience is asking for. I always, a quick tip, I always say, you know, listen to conversations, listen to questions you're being asked and turn that into content, whether it's blogs, videos. You know, if you're always adding value, you'll always be interesting. And to add to that, I would say that the the moment you put people into the mix, it becomes interesting because people are interesting and everybody's different and people like to talk to people. And, And I think, you know, when you add that layer on as well, 
Nothing is boring. And we work with all sorts of industries from legal to manufacturing to engineering. You'd be surprised. But when you lift the lid and start asking daft questions to try and understand what they do and, you know, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And the people are wonderful. And um, and I think, you know, even I think there's no better time to be in B2B. I, honestly, I think it's a great industry to be in at the minute if you're in marketing. Really, really interesting. It always used to be that B2C used to be the interesting side of marketing, you know, all big brands and sponsorships and things. I actually think B2B is really cool at the minute, especially when you're in marketing and social media. Thank you very much. Lorraine, I'm going to go around to you. We're almost, we're actually right at the edge of our predictions on the show called the crystal ball. But there's one thing I want to bring up, Lorraine, from the first statement you sent me for the roundtable that we didn't get to. And if you could just take 30 to 60 seconds to explain it. You say, as B2B social media budgets are growing, and so is the digital media market, approximately 40% of companies are not satisfied with their social strategies. What's it going to take to get that number lower so that they're all satisfied? Lorraine, are we close to that? I would say it's a continuous cycle, hence the reason that I continue to utilize both Danetta and Sarah to help me with my strategies. It, it, it's an evolution. Um, it's not a revolution. <laughs> and we need to understand, I think, the customer better. Sarah and I both, I think, we all use the word listen. Um, we have to listen and be interested, not interesting. And we have to um, ensure that it's not start and stop and that it mm. has an integrated approach. So let me tie that together. I think a lot of companies um, try social. They don't necessarily integrate it with their whole marketing plan, with their employees, uh, and with their customers. And I think it needs to be comprehensive and almost viewed like in the old days when you had editorial calendars and, you know, buying, buy, the, the buying uh, cycles for like TV and, and advertising. We need to look at social in that way and, and make sure that we've got our bases covered in order for it to be truly effective. And I think that people will be more satisfied, but it's not a start and stop and it's not mm-hmm. um, easy. It is a strategy. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Donetta Campbell, you're up first. Prediction, 60 seconds. What will change about this topic if we met again? Let's say it's moving so fast. I would say at the end of 2020, if one year from now, this is we're late October, almost Halloween this week, late October 2019. By October 2020, what will change about this concept of strategic social engagement? Donetta, 60 seconds, then Sarah, then Lorraine, ready to wrap up. Donetta, you're up. Uh, first thing I would say is what will not change, which is this digital landscape will never change. It will always be changing and changing very quickly. And so that's, I think, a key point. Um, What will change is I believe that um, social will become a key part of your workplace toolbox, your skills. It will make a big difference in all that you do, whether it's touching all of your stakeholders or whether it's rolling out a new marketing campaign. Um, And I I believe it's a soft touch point, but I think it's a very powerful, influential one. Uh, and leading with purpose will will continue to be a key part of that. I believe that empowered employee champions, so it's a win-win. The employees feel empowered, but also they become the champions for the brand, will become a main vehicle for great brand marketing. 
uh, you know, to recruiting. It'll it'll cover the board and help the company in so many different ways. And topic-driven ecosystems of relevant connect will be the new water cooler for global brands to have touch points with those that they care about and that they need to be talking to. Thank you very much. Sarah Goodall, I have 60 seconds for you. You're up. Yeah, everyone sort of says you can't measure social media. And I think to tie into Lorraine's point, this has to be baked into your business. It cannot be the job of the intern, the sideline, you know, somebody, oh, just manage my social channels. This is about growth. It's about revenue growth. And if you're not tying your social efforts into how you're converting on your website, how you're influencing pipeline, then that is going to be the mistake. So I reckon this time next year, or maybe not next year, it might be in two years, but we're going to see a lot more people taking social more seriously, less of the, oh, we just need to do that because we've got to keep those channels alive, but more into, oh, hold on, how do we measure this? How do we build this into our automation? How do we build this into our um, sales strategy? I think you're going to start seeing a bit more measurement and a bit more serious uh, people taking it serious at a revenue growth level rather than just a marketing, you know, brand awareness level. Thank you very much, Lorraine. I have exactly 60 seconds for you, and then we got to close. Go ahead, Lorraine. Very quickly. I think um, the world we're in today is multi-generational. I think what both Sarah and Danetta said was spot on. But I also think with social, we need to continue. It's not going away. We need to tie it to revenue, and we need to look at the different generations that we're working with today and use the different channels and tactics available in social di- in our social and digital world to meet all of those different people um, and different buyers. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Lorraine, what a stellar panel. I hope you'll invite them all back. We have so much more to talk about. I want to say a shout-out to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, at the Business Channel on World Talk Radio. A thank you to a young lady who works with Lorraine, Allison Tomoff, episode organizer, I'm calling her. Great job getting everything together in Lorraine. Thank you again for sponsoring this really, really great series. Looking forward to your renewal next year. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like our real, real live game changers, Donetta Campbell at The Social Architect. Such a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show, Donetta. I hope you'll come back. Sarah Goodall, always great catching up with you. Sarah at Tribal Impact and, of course, Lorraine Maurice at SAPU Rock. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.